Do you know what actually goes into filmmaking? Is ritual dating any fun? How do you go from meeting people in real life to having a first date via FaceTime? What's dating going to look like post-quarantine? So today we're talking to Jonah Feingold, writer, director, filmmaker, podcast host, New Yorker, and online dater. And hopefully he'll be able to answer some of these questions. One, two, three. Hola, hello, everyone. It's your host, Sabrina. And welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, where we'll talk about everything from travel, dating, to expat life, and everything in between. With new guests and topics each week, we'll get advice, some insights, and talk about things I'm pretty sure you've all experienced at one point or another. Sometimes all we really want to know is why, what does it mean, and am I the only one? See, I felt alone many times in my life, but I've gotten through it all by having my friends at my side. So I want you to think of me as your new best friend. We'll laugh together and maybe even overthink a little, but we'll have a damn good time at it all. So get ready guys, cause here we go. Hi guys. So here's a little story to start today's episode. Man meets woman. He falls madly and instantly in love and tells her they're going to get married. But plot twist, she was already engaged to someone else. Fast forward and said engagement ended in disaster. So man sees woman again and repeatedly asks her on dates and sends constant flowers without any success. She caves after eight months and the rest, as they say, is history. They've been together and in love for almost 30 years. True story, by the way, and I'd know because it's my parents. So imagine growing up with that to what we now know as dating and situationships. I'm obviously no stranger to online dating, as you'll hear later on in the podcast in one of the episodes. But today we're talking to our guest, Jonah, about virtual dating. See, I was initially supposed to try it myself and report back to you. But in true Parisian fashion, French men refused to stick to the rules and instead proposed sneaking around illegally. So I went scouring the internet for a virtual dating survivor, and lo and behold, I stumbled upon writer, director, filmmaker, and podcast host Jonah Feingold, who's agreed to be grilled on all things virtual dates today. Super excited to talk to him as I'm actually super curious about filming life, filmmaking life and meeting strangers via FaceTime. So welcome, Jonah, to Pretty Sure, and let's get started. Please tell us about yourself. Hi, thank you. That's the best intro for a podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> that was so well done. And what a great story about your parents. That's really cool. Yeah, imagine um, going from that to like real life. <laughs> I mean, you must be, I'm surprised you just haven't given up on dating as, at all. You know, like that's, yeah. that's really amazing. I am honored to be on your show. Thank you for this. And wow, that's a really great intro story. This kind of let me settle that in. But uh, <laughs> my name is Jonah. I am uh, everything, as you said. I'm going to have to take your intro and make that my voicemail or my bio because that was also very articulate and nice. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Please do. Please do. I'm 100% serious. But uh, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer, director. I also now host a podcast for Hinge called Dating Sucks which is definitely sort of a secondary title to what I've been doing most of my life, which is just making things for the internet and then for different outlets. And I'm born and raised in New York. I've had a camera in my hand since I was big enough to hold one. And it's always been what I've wanted to do. And it's all I've ever really known how to do. And I've sort of specifically jumped into the world of romantic comedy because I see this very big change in the way that rom-coms existed in the 90s and in the 80s and 50s and what is actually happening to I mean, your intro story is the perfect example. <laughs> the way your parents met and uh, are now happily married is no longer the case 
given the introduction of online dating and the paradox of choice, which exists in dating so much today. So I see that as a way to reinvent the genre of rom-coms. And that's what I'm excited about. I love that. So what is it actually like to be a filmmaker slash writer slash director? Like what is a day in the life of Jonah look like? Such a good question. (laughs) So first thing is I want to define what both these jobs are. Director is the person who, as you know, the director, she or he is the person who communicates to the actors. Best analogy, you are captain of the ship. And that's the best analogy because you need someone to, you need your crew. You need someone to finance your ship and you need to have a destination in mind. As a director, your job technically on set is to communicate your vision of the film and tell the story. You can do that by any means possible. You can, it can be from how you, how you talk to your actors, how do you cast your movie, how do you work with your cinematographer, how do you make it look, how do you make it sound, how do you work in the post process. As a writer as well, you are in charge of writing the story and writing a screenplay, which is basically a blueprint document for what the film is going to be written in a certain format. And the part that I love about your question is that we all know directors and writers as after the process, like, oh, you're in that interview in that chair and you're like, it was great being on set with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and and it was really fun to tell that story. But what you don't really hear is the mental, can I curse on this podcast? (laughs) Yeah, I can do it as explicit. Well, the, you know, the mental mind games that come with achieving your dream and achieving your goal and like anything that's entrepreneurial, being a writer director is nearly impossible to do unless you have a very, very straight, you know, stern mindset for what you want. So day in the life of Jonah is, and many writer directors is very, very, very different every single day. The best times are those days where you're in production and you wake up at 6am and you're on set till 1am and you don't sleep or eat for anywhere from 15 to 50 days, you know, however long the shoot's going on. But in between that are years of writing your next project, convincing somebody else it's worth a couple million dollars to go make it casting your movie, making sure everyone's schedules line up, the minutia of emails, phone calls, and still believing in that one idea that you had three years ago that you still want to go make relevant today. So that is to say that my days, these days are are specific to me. I I lived in LA for eight years Mm -hmm. and I had been working in the film business, doing smaller things, not enough to like make a living or really get to where I wanted to go because to be a feature length filmmaker, like I want to be and I want to direct Disney movies and rom-coms that people enjoy in their, you know, on their Netflix or in a theater one day, hopefully soon. You have to go do it. So it's like a catch-22 of how do you become a filmmaker? The only way to become a filmmaker is to do it. And I've always luckily very much believed and never, I've never been afraid to pick up a camera and go shoot something. But how do you elevate that? How do you get to the next level? And so I lived in LA for eight years and I've always wanted to move back to New York where I'm from. Literally one day I was like, this, fuck this. Like I'm going back to New York. I'm going to go raise money to make a movie. I raised the money to go make a movie. Then we shot the movie. Now we're editing the movie and the movie will be done in the next two or three months. And exciting. Very exciting. Dream come true. Still a mental mind game. It's all about dating. It's all about, uh, it's a rom-com. It was just a, I just look at, you know, I look at my career as a filmmaker as pre-movie and now post-movie. And so it was a very crazy experience. That's like an abridged version of like what a writer director does. Mm-hmm. Because I, I always joke that like, you spend the least amount of time actually directing. Like you act like <laughs> the amount of time I've spent emailing people trying to get my dream to come true versus the amount of time I've actually spent talking to actors is like 99% to 1% right now, at least. I'm sure hopefully that changes when you're 
Greta Gerwig or Steven Spielberg or any one of these directors who's constantly working. <laughs> yeah, you have working. like 10 people under you sending the emails and it's just like, exactly. hey guys, I'm here, let's do this. Exactly. That's my long-winded answer. Love that, that, love that. That's amazing. Um, what's actually your favorite project you've worked on or the most interesting slash challenging and why? Yeah, great question. Um, my favorite project I've ever made was a project called Bangarang that was a fan film about the Rufio character in a movie called Hook. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe it's my best work. And I think it was, there was a lot of challenges, but like in terms of like, oh my God, long story short, I made like a, a dream, childhood dream come true and it was very surreal. It's a really cute and strong film and it's just hard to make a lot of people happy. But the most challenging film is the most recent one I've done because it's a 90 minute movie. So every time you rework a scene in post, then you have to figure out how that looks in the scope of the entire 90 minute experience versus that two minute experience in the scene. And then even the, I mean, to make this movie we just made, we had to, you had to wear 10 different hats. I had to wear the business hat where I went and raised the budget, started an LLC, took investor agreements, learned what the investors are and how to pay them back. Then you had to put on your filmmaking hat, your casting hat to go get your actors to go do it. Your, New York geography hat because you have to permit and shoot in New York City, which is impossible, but also amazing. And it was by far the most challenging experience. And it also there's, you know, there's people's money on the line. And I, my job is to make people happy. So I want everyone to to be happy and to work with me again. Mm -hmm. So for sure, the most recent project is the uh, most challenging, but also the most rewarding. Hmm. And do you actually have creative freedom over every single movie you've shot? Like, is it you come up with the idea, you write it, you cast it, everything? Or is it like you have something and then maybe an investor is like, oh, I don't like this. Like, you should change it if you want my money or something like that. Like, has that happened? The beauty of most recent project and the scary part about it is that I've had complete creative control. They all invested in me as a person Mm -hmm. and... They're a little bit about the movie, but like more so about, okay, this, we believe in Jonah to see this through. I have complete creative freedom, which is also scary because you're like, all right, well, maybe I kind of, I rely a lot on my, on my producers in ways where I like, I'm very open to their opinions and I want us to all argue about stuff that we want to see through. Mm-hmm. But having complete creative control isn't actually productive, I don't think. I mean, that's a whole another podcast episode in and of itself. But <laughs> it's nice to have a little bit of constraint and a yeah. little bit of challenge. If I feel very strongly about something that I don't think anyone agrees on, I'm like, okay, well, next time you guys go out and raise a budget for a movie, you can do that in your movie. But in this movie, we're going to do it this way. Because here's the thing about directing and writing movies. If the movie sucks, the director gets all the blame. If yeah. the movie rocks, the director and everyone else get all the credit. So it's like, I'm going to be the one to take the ball here. So that I believe is your best argument when you talk about creative control with any project, but I haven't had creative control in it. You know, every, there's been other things I've done where I have not had creative control in the way I've always wanted, but a really good question. And I hope to have creative control as long as I can. Yeah. Well, that's everyone's dream, right? Now I want to talk to you about your most, I don't know if it's the most recent one that has been out there, but maybe jo- uh, Josh is maybe Josh. Maybe Josh. Yes. Maybe yes. Josh. Yeah. So please, I've seen it already. Like when I was researching about you, <laughs> but yeah. can you tell the audience what it is and how did you actually come up with the inspiration and filming it on an iPhone? I would, yeah, I would totally love to talk about that. So that's a really, I'm really proud of that project. That was one that my agent had said that there was Facebook Watch was doing an anthology series about love stories called 365 Days of Love that Mm -hmm. Sofia Vergara was producing. He sat me down with their executive producer very early on 
And I was like, look, I want to make a story that's basically you've got mail, but on an iPhone screen. And it's about that person that you connect with on an app, but that you never actually meet. And that was the premise. Facebook Watch at the time was trying to prioritize mobile first viewing, mm-hmm. sort of like what we're seeing with Quibi now, but like they really wanted to be a mobile experience. And I was like, okay, really cool. I don't want to make a movie that doesn't make sense to have in um, vertical. So the way we made it make sense was that it's all from the perspective of a screen, which I think is very also telling of the story, which is about a girl that matches with a guy and they never meet until the very end. And that was an amazing experience because that had perfect creative limitations, right? The skies weren't the limit. It was, you're confined to telling the story on a screen using texts, camera, music, like all these different things. So that was really, I I look at that project. I'm like, this came out 80% of what I wanted it to be, which is, which is high. So Mm -hmm. like typically you, you envision something and it's usually 50 or 60% of what you want it to be. This one was 80% of what I wanted it to be. So uh, I really love that one. And for anyone who's not, you know, hasn't seen it, it's basically just a short that you should watch on your phone screen about a couple that matches on an app. And then maybe one day they meet, maybe one day they don't but you're supposed to experience it and enjoy it on your, on your phone. I was honestly stressed when I was watching it. I was like, Oh my God, no, this can't be happening. What the hell? Yes. That's, that's, that was, um, I, that was the point. And by the way, to your question about creative control, I wanted to do it as one full episode and Facebook was the one that wanted to split it mm-hmm. in half. There's actually a major discrepancy there and this is their fault. Uh, the first episode has like 3 million views and the second episode has like 50,000. And it's just because of the way the algorithm worked and that it, it just, it was so dumb. But, but yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, really proud of that short. What was the hardest part about filming it. it on an iPhone? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the hardest part, honestly, was a very particular part of the process where you watch back. So typically when you're on set, you have your cameras going and you sit in Video Village or you go Mm -hmm. look through the viewfinder and you can see what's happening. In that project, we couldn't monitor what the phone was recording because if you have your phone in selfie mode, there was no way technology-wise that we were able to stream that onto a separate monitor or device. So we would Mm -hmm. give the actors the phone. I'd rehearse it, I'd watch the camera, then they'd go do a take. And if we wanted to re-watch it, we had to cut, bring the phone over, go watch it on the phone. So that monitoring process was probably the hardest part because typically you're able to just play something back or see it live and we couldn't do that. Interesting. And did the inspiration come from any like previous experiences you had on dating or was it just something you came up with? The inspiration was from all those relationships that I've had online where you match with somebody, you talk to them for like two weeks or two months and then you never actually end up meeting. Mm -hmm. So that's where that came from. And I, I know, I mean, I'm not the only person who's ever had that experience. So I think that, you know, universal, universal, universalness to the story yeah. was like, okay, this is a good idea worth yeah. making something for. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's why it was so relatable because you've seen that happening and you're like, why? So definitely yeah. agree with you. It's, it's something we've all felt. Yeah. At least at one point or another. So let's dive into the topic of dating. So pre-corona. I love it. What was your dating life like? Were you online dating? Was it more of like a meet you? Like what was your dating style and how did it go? Pre-corona. Sounds like so long ago, I know. (laughs) I know it does, right? Well, you know, it's changed. I think the most interesting way to look at it is 
lived in LA for eight years where dating is much more different than New York. And it's much more difficult because to meet up with someone in LA who everyone's already very busy in LA, like no one lives in LA in my experience in my business. No one just lives in LA to live. Everyone is in LA for a reason. And that trinkles down to your mindset and your mentality of being busy constantly, always working. Productivity is at an all time high. And so making plans with somebody and keeping them in LA is notoriously more difficult than, in my opinion, every other city. Mm -hmm. Now, that compounded with the fact that nothing is convenient in LA and that you have to drive everywhere you want to go. So you can't really, you know, drink too much or have the craziest nights. You know, of course, there's Uber, but like for the most part, to be like, you have a car and it's part of your routine. You're driving back from work. You're going to go have drinks. It's just getting into a date scenario with somebody was a lot more work in LA than it has been in New York. So I moved to New York and I'd say last about last summer, dating was pretty, pretty, pretty great. It was, you know, going on a date, um, you know, maybe like a date a week at one point and going out socially was awesome. And it's just, you meet people out and you know, you, you know, New York, it's like, it's -hmm. exactly what it is in the movies, which is very free, you know, free caring, laissez-faire sort of um, coincidence, the spontaneity that exists. Like, it was just, it was, it was great. And then I started to make this movie that we're in post-production on right now. And dating life changed because I wanted to commit fully to making the best movie possible. And you don't have time to go on dates with anybody. And in my personal experience, it was very difficult to find somebody who was like going to be accepting of the fact that the movie schedule was like kind of intense. And so mm-hmm. when we were editing the movie before Corona, my nights, we edited from 6 to 10 p.m. So nobody wants to go on a date at five and nobody wants to go on a date at 1030. So honestly, it's been like a hot minute before I was going on, before I've been going on dates in New York, let alone expanding, you know, that into a relationship, which then of course, Corona happened and now we're here. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Like if you had a choice, would you rather meet your special someone online or like as a meet cute moment? Meet cute moment for sure. Meet cute moment for sure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with meeting somebody online. I think mm-hmm. it, there is its there is its own value to that. Like, because right, because then your meet cute isn't just, it's your meet cute online, but you still have to figure out what's going to connect you guys in a real way, in a real way. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, your, your vow section might begin with, we matched on Hinge, <laughs> but then we went on an amazing, tr- you know, motorcycle ride or, you know, yeah. we went on an amazing, like, then you kind of get this interesting element. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's for me, it's, it's, it's not online. What about you? I mean, I have my parents and then also my best friend. Uh, she got married two years ago and her love story is also amazing. Like basically like her husband had just recently moved to Canada. She's Canadian and he started a job at a bank where she was working. And like he said it in his vows, he was like, I literally, after my first day called my mom and I was like, I think I just met the woman that I'm going to marry. That's so funny. And, I love that. Yeah. I mean, obviously she didn't like him. It was like a whole drama, but they ended up dating and getting married. But I'm just like, after hearing yeah. that, after my parents, I'm like, how can online dating compare? Like I still do it obviously, because yeah, yeah. you're going to tell me about how New York is in a bit, because I have another question about that. But like here oh. in Paris, super hard to meet people in real life. Like it's super, really? super hard. Yeah. Really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Really? Because I feel like Paris, there's so much outdoor activity, like every cafe and... There you know, is, and but it's just so weird. They don't really... So like guys don't really come up to you unless 
they kind of know someone in your group or they know mm. you're French. Like at this point, obviously mm. I speak French, but I don't look French. So it'd be weird if guys approach me and they're like, oh, how are you? You know? Okay. Okay. So it's so more they, of a, so, you meet so online. People, you meet online and then there's none of that. Like, I guess it is very sort of American to just like go randomly talk to somebody at a bar. That yeah. seems like that American entitlement at its best is, <laughs> is where yeah. you're from. Like, hi, my name's Jonah. Like, what's up? Yeah. That, yeah, like you don't see that here. When I was in Paris with my sister and I would try that, it did not go well. So I'm, that makes sense now. Yeah, it works in clubs, but then obviously it's not what you want. So they're mostly like already drunk. And then they're like, so how are you? Want to get a drink? <laughs> you know. Oh my is it in French or is it in English when they're talking, like, talking to you? Um, usually in French. Do you speak French? Yeah, I do. Yeah, At this point, I do. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. So has online dating changed your perspective on love now that you've been dating for a while? Mm, mm, great question. Boring answer. No, like, I don't think it's changed my perspective. I think online dating has just, I was going to say that the, the, the thing about online dating that might, it's just like, it's just you got classified ads in like the, the mm-hmm. you know, like a paper. It's all the same. It's a way of gamifying dating in a way to make it more accessible and more open to both see what you like and don't like in a faster, more efficient way. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. online dating might be great for someone who still really wants that in real life meet cute moment, but you can use online dating as a tool to date somebody that you never really thought you would want to date or go on a date with somebody who you never thought you'd want to go on a date with. Because of course there are people who are great, have a you know great profiles who might not be as interesting in real life and then vice versa who are very interesting in real life, but maybe aren't even on the app. Mm-hmm. You know, like love is love is like this kind of profound concept that exists that we as humans have created and apps are like 10 years old. So, you know, it's, it's, they're different things. Yeah. <laughs> like the dichotomy. Yeah. Gotcha. So how is actually dating in New York? Cause I have actually dated a couple of people here that just moved to New York and I've heard different stories. I have a couple of friends in New York as well that have told mm. me multiple different stories. So I'm curious, how would you define dating in New York? The city that doesn't sleep, but where people sleep around a lot, I'd say is like mm-hmm. the best like metaphor. So like sex in the city, basically. Like I think sex in the city gets it perfectly. I mean, I've I've just started rewatching that show. Mm-hmm. So good, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think it gets it very, very right. I think in general, people in New York, you either love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. Or you love that you hate it and hate that you love it kind of experience. But there is no like it's not meh, you know, it's not middle. It's like very extreme on both ends. I think it's, New York is a great city to date in because it's so easy to go on the act of a date in New York. It's easy to keep in touch. It's 8 million people, but I guarantee you, you're going to be on the L train going from Williamsburg to the Lower East Side and you're going to run into that person that you went on a date with a year ago. So Mm, it's kind of like this place that it also constantly reminds you of your dates because, and I love this part about it and this is something we get into in in my movie, but like if you go on a date with someone at some bar or restaurant or you have like Mm -hmm. a walk around Washington Square Park, you're going to go revisit. You're going to just in your daily life, you're going to walk by that place again and it's going to remind you of that experience. I don't know. I never felt that way when I was in LA. I never felt like, oh my God, this reminds me of that one fight I had with this girl about like, you know, why we weren't 
working out, like whatever. But in New York, you're constantly reminded of these experiences, which is like, you're on like your own studio backlot tour constantly, uh, (laughs) which is like, you know, when you go on like a tour of like the little lot of the movies that are shot. But yeah, that's kind of how I describe, I would describe it. What do your friends say about New York and and dating? I've had mixed reviews. So a friend of mine that literally has lived there, I think her whole life, she's told me that people don't really talk to each other unless they've matched before on an app. The way she told me is, okay, imagine you're out with your girlfriends and whatever, there's a group of guys across the table, right? At a bar. Let's say one of them is on the app and is talking to someone and it turns out is one of the guys of the group. At that point, then like the guy would come up to the girl and be like, yeah, what's up? And then maybe the other guys would join. But the way she framed it is like, guys will never go up to girls just like that. You know, like, hey, what's up? Well, that's a really interesting point. I think you have to keep in mind also. And the part that's interesting to hear about that is like, guys, this, everyone's different. Everyone's mm-hmm. got their own interpretations. But in movies and media and in life, we were kind of been trained <laughs> to, to not do that. Because like, it never works out, right? No one wants to just hear a pickup line. And if you like, I don't know, this is the part that's confusing. This is why I think men and women don't understand each other. It's like, well, <laughs> like I, it doesn't even cross... Like, yeah, if I, I don't even know what I would say. If I saw a girl at a bar and I was like, she's so my type. Again, mm-hmm. I have no idea what she's actually like. So it's like, I would just go over and say, hi, I'm Jonah. But like 90% of the time I've ever done that, it's been like the meanest, coldest really? response. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like, it's because of the environment, right? It's because like, if you're out at a bar, it's the context and setting. If you took that exact same setting mm-hmm. and put it in line at Whole Foods, I think it'd be actually very receptive. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. hey, how are you? But it's like, because you're at a bar, you think this person is trying to apparently ruin your life and, <laughs> you know, or like murdered someone in your family. But um, so maybe it's an act of protection. And maybe we're seeing like, okay, well, I don't have to deal with that rejection because on dating apps, I can't mm-hmm. get rejected. I'm rejected. It's rejection proof. Mm-hmm. So, And if you get rejected, don't you don't know. Exactly. You don't know. Interesting. That's such an interesting point. I never even consider that. I, I mean, I listen, like, I... Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I would, I would love any time... Like, if someone came up to me at a bar and was like, hi, like, you know, my friend thinks you're cute or, hey, what's up? I'd, I'm obviously like, oh, hey, how are you? Like, the nicest yeah. person in the world. But I do think it's confusing because a lot of times when I see friends of mine who are, like, good-looking, whatever you want to put it on, when they just go say or what's up to somebody, like, it's not always we all want the same thing, but also like we, our actions are speak differently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. I guess it depends on like attitude, what exactly they're saying and just timing maybe. Yeah. Okay. So what is the one thing you hate and the one thing you love or like about online dating? I, I like, I like that you can get to know some basic information from somebody before talking to them. This is like under the debate mm-hmm. of, do you stalk somebody before you go on a date? And I know that that's not necessarily like the best or right thing to say, but I actually do like being able to figure out someone based upon their online presence. Mm -hmm. I think I'm like kind of good at it. And I understand that it is of no way an actual reflection of who someone is online versus in real life. Although like I have friends, I am a perfect projection in my opinion, (laughs) which might be the whole problem. Like who you see online is who you were talking to. And that's like fairly conscious because I don't give a shit about what goes on the internet and for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And, but then people of course cast their own judgments based upon the information they're given. That being said, my favorite thing about online dating is that you can get to know somebody in some capacity Mm -hmm. 
just from like the dossier of information you can find with that thing. Um, <laughs> the thing I like least is how flaky it is. Like you could, you could yeah. match with somebody on an app and you could imagine that future with them instantly off a picture. And then they don't respond to you after they match with you. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. The, the bigger issue here is now I've been trained to less, you know, now I've been trained to not get so worked up. So it's not so much the specific case between these two people, but uh, it's not so much the, the case between that specific person so much as the overarching thematic element of don't get too caught up too quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I get you. So like when it happens in real life, you can instantly say, oh my God, I fell in love with this person. But like, if you're online dating, you kind of have to be like, ah, like I might be, but I'm just not going to admit it or actually explore that because he or she might disappear. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. Also, you never know if people are lying or not on online dating apps. And that is also a thing. For sure. I mean, I get guys lie about their height all the time. That's like the one statistically... <laughs> most lied about thing i was thinking more of like they're already in a relationship or married but oh. yeah oh yeah that's true that's <laughs> it also that's, counts <laughs> yeah <laughs> just putting it out there um so had you ever envisioned trying virtual dating before the whole corona thing happened like was it ever on your mind or never even popped into it do you mean uh do you mean like like apps or do you mean like virtual dating no you know like having a facetime chat with someone like maybe like you see in the movies again like oh my god these people started messaging each other and then they just met via facetime or whatever because i don't know they live across the country or one of them is sick at their home like whatever like, was it something you ever considered or you only thought about it like many people now because of the pandemic? It's not something I ever considered. No, it's not, honestly. But it's it definitely, you know, now that I'm, it's, it's great that it exists for times like this, right? Like now we're sort of seeing how it can work in effect. So I think it's like, it's never something I've ever thought about doing, but like didn't really know how effective it could be until now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That what about sense. you? Have you, ever, have you ever done it? I haven't. I've honestly wanted to try it, but like I said, <laughs> French people are French men are not very reliable, and there are not many foreigners left in the city since <laughs> flights started closing and everything. So I yeah. have not tried it. Wanted to try it. Still have not got there. Who knows? I just find it so curious because, like, I've asked my friends that have been in long distance relationships, right? I've asked them. Because I'm like, okay, how does it go when you're in a relationship and you have to, you know, like FaceTime or watch a movie together? And then they obviously tell me like, it's different because you already have done that prior, like together, you know? Whereas the interesting part is you've literally never met this person yet. This person might see you ugly cry in front of a movie because you're watching it together. You know? Right, 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 right. There is no, there is a level of new intimacy that's discovered through this. That's that's kind of like cool and like yeah. So that's um, make, that makes me super curious. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So let's talk about your virtual date because I know you've already gone on a virtual date. First of all, how do you go about mentioning it to these girls? Like, do you come out flat and say, "Hey, let's have a virtual date. Want to share a movie?" Like, how does it go? Do you just ask? Like, does the girl ask? Like, how? Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, the virtual date I've had was, I was like, do you want to have like a FaceTime and like sort of like, had like a FaceTime date? And we were both like, yeah, let's do a FaceTime date. And it was nice. We just like kind of, I think there's different levels of FaceTime dates you can have. You can have the one where you sort of do the stunt where like maybe you do a wine tasting together. Literally, I have a phone call tomorrow with a winery about possibly doing like a, like a collab of sorts where 
we're going to talk about a little at home tasting kit that, you know, I might make a video for them. That That's a really cool concept to me. But otherwise, it's just you pop on the FaceTime, you're somewhere that's like quiet and nicely lit and you just kind of just talk and just chat. <laughs> and I always, you know, people actually, one of the things I've, I've gotten from people is uh, that they're always like, well, what if it's awkward? Like, what do you do in like those awkward beats? I'm like, well, you should just bet. That, well, I know nothing about what I'm talking about. I do believe with awkwardness that you should just embrace the awkwardness and acknowledge it and that's the best thing you can do that makes sense did you feel awkward on your date or was it were you no, already I don't prepared ever, to not i don't ever feel awkward. i don't ever feel awkward but what? really I, not even on first dates yeah. never i've never felt awkward. i mean maybe no i like checked awkwardness out the door when i was like <laughs> two before i even knew what it was and awkwardness is to me like i love it you embrace it i think if something's awkward it's out of, if i'm in awkward situations because it's out of my control and mm-hmm. someone else is making something really awkward but I will never make, I will try to never make anyone feel awkward or, you know, unless you're just don't get it. Yeah. Not on, not on dates, not on, uh, I think it's like, we're all under the same shit. So it's not like this is like particular at this point, we're all doing it. So mm-hmm. what's to feel awkward about? You know? That makes sense. How do you go about feeling someone's vibes mm, while you're on question. camera? Cause like for me, that's one of the most important parts. Like maybe I'm vibing yeah. with someone like texting, but then when we meet, it's like, uh, there's not, like I know instantly, or I know after talking a couple of minutes, how do you kind of judge that off of a phone call, like a FaceTime? Vibes. First of all, do you believe in vibes? Like I do believe in vibes. I okay. totally believe in vibes. I think that's a great way to put it. And it's hard to do right when you're not with someone in real life. So I think you have to kind of like, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I think everyone's vibes are like sort of compressed a bit when it's going through a FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that, the, so you have to take everyone's vibe check, the grain of salt, mm-hmm. or whatever the expression is. But um, I don't know how you particularly check vibes beyond like a feeling that you get. But like, I think it goes back to the awkwardness thing. Mm-hmm. I think if somebody is like, how calm are you and how self-aware are you and how um, embracing of the awkwardness are you and that culmination, that soup of stuff, what does that equal to the... Um, that's how you can like kind of get a vibe check. Like if someone's mm-hmm. a, you can just, I mean, I don't know. It's an energy. I, it's a really good question. I wish I knew there was a way to articulate how do you get someone's vibe yeah. beyond just feeling it, you know? How, yeah. So what do you do on face? How did you say you, you can do a vibe check on FaceTime? Yeah. Like how would you do that? Like how would you gosh? Okay. Like let's say well, you're how having do you, a date. How do you do it? Oh, I've never had a virtual date though. Okay. Okay. It's, okay fair. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Um, I have talked to strangers <laughs> that I've just like met on, you yeah. know, like nowadays Instagram. We're like, oh my God, let's start a business. We're like, let's do something together. Call me. And then obviously you kind of know if you click with someone, but not in a romantic way. Yeah. So I wouldn't know how to define that either. It's hard to define, but it is still, here's the thing. I don't know if we can define how you do a vibe check, but I think the vibe mm-hmm. check can still exist over FaceTime. That we can say for sure. How would you gauge it? Like, how would you propose to say, like, what would go on your mind? What would be your first thing you'd look for? Like, let's say you're FaceTiming with a girl and you're like doing a mental check. Like, okay, do we vibe? Like, are her vibes mm. something that I like? Is it the way she talks? Is it what she says? Is it just what she's making you feel uh, like what would you consider great question thinking <laughs> is how would i do a vibe i think it's i think it's can we both make our fel- uh, can we both make ourselves feel safe and mm-hmm. enjoyable right is this a fun conversation is this someone i want to be on with for longer than 20 minutes you know mm-hmm. i've had the facetime day i've had it was 3 hours you know so like mm-hmm. obviously a good conversation a good vibe um, you don't need to be talking the entire time necessarily. 
that I, th- I think it's just a mutual thing. It's not one person. It's the vibe check is like, what is, how do you guys make each other mm-hmm. act and feel is, is my gut answer. I like that. I like that. That's a good answer. I feel like that kind of levels the playing field as well. Cause it's not only like, is it just for me? Is the other person feeling like, do we have kind of word chemistry? Like I don't even know how we'd explain that. <laughs> speaking chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. I don't um, know. Word chemistry. <laughs> I'm going to quite this. I think that's, no, I think you need to be a certain level of like of banter and like vocabulary for mm-hmm. sure. Because yeah. you don't have that in connection. Like, it'd be hard to have a, a date with someone who speaks a different language over FaceTime. Yeah, that could be. Because in real life, I know couples who, like, don't speak the same language, but you hear about them falling in love, something like that. But see, that's something like, I don't get. Because I'm like, how do you communicate? You communicate with your with the essence and with, like, there's ways of communicating. <laughs> you can, like, act something out or you can, you know, feel something. But you can't do that when it's... But here's uh, the thing. Here's my theory on that. And that's because I yeah. speak... Like, obviously, I speak French now, Spanish, and English. So you have a different personality according to the language you're speaking. So Is they, that true? Yeah. And okay. I know this, like, from my friends. <laughs> okay. Like, people, like, my French friends say that I'm different when I'm speaking English than when I'm speaking Spanish and vice versa. Like, my American friends think I'm different than if someone speaks Spanish. So my thing is, they only know a side of you if they don't speak your language, right? Because they mm-hmm. only know kind of your personality in that language. Like, let's say, I don't know, there's a guy that's Dutch and there's a girl that's Thai. Mm. Their common language is English, let's say. Okay. Few words. Yeah. But neither of them speak it as a mother tongue. So obviously they get to know each other in like this other weird personality that's not their own, right? Right. This in, this in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't trust those. Like, how does it work? You know? It's a really good point. I don't know how you do it. See, but these are the questions no, that roll my mind. There's a good, there's a, <laughs> you, you got some good questions going on up there. Um, okay, so do you think virtual dating will still be a thing once quarantine's over? Like, do you think it's created such a shockwave that people nowadays are going to be like, hey, I'm going to expand my filters on online dating to I live in New York and I'm going to expand it to, I don't know, the Hamptons for it. I don't even mm. know correct geography, so I can't say no, that's, Chicago. That's, that geography tracks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to get all so tired of what we're doing right now that it might be the opposite where it's like, all right, hell that, you know, fuck that. I want to go mm-hmm. back to real life dating. I mean, I know for me, just because like, I don't know the answer for everybody, but for me, mm-hmm. I would, I'm not interested in, in any more FaceTime dates than I ever have to have ever again. <laughs> So, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like, if anything, I've learned, okay, it's fine, but it's also impossible to sustain. Mm-hmm. And it's like exhausting. And there's technical barriers. How good is your service? Can you hear somebody? It doesn't make, it's not conducive to real emotional in real life connections. So my guess is no. What do you think? Hmm. I haven't thought that far ahead. I think that maybe it might open it a bit, you know, in terms of like, am I open to move somewhere else? That's what I would consider, Mm. for example. Like, let's say I'm open to moving somewhere else because I don't like where I am or I'm thinking of moving elsewhere. Maybe with seeing that this whole thing is possible, I might consider, okay, where would I want to move? I don't know. Let's say like I'm now in Paris, right? I want to move to London. Okay, let's look for guys in London. Maybe I'll think, okay, let's see what happens. Then maybe I'll like travel. Like for me, it would be short distance, let's say. I totally get it. I agree. I think people are going to check their, their, their life values and be like, all right, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? But I don't think there'll be an increase in online dating to the virtual extent. Yeah. Huh. We'll see. 
I hope yeah. not. I hope people start talking to each other in real life. <laughs> I would like that a lot. That'd be very I'm nice. pro people coming up to you and literally being like, hey, what's up? Doesn't happen that often. Probably should move but, elsewhere, but. But we're, we're putting it out there, so maybe it will now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Has the experience of going on a virtual date changed you in some way? Have you learned something like maybe about yourself or about what you feel about love or relationships or you're the same Jonah? As of right now, I'm the same Jonah, but that could change. <laughs> that could change. Maybe I have changed. It takes, sometimes it takes time to like, to like retrospect it, right? And be like, all right, mm-hmm. how did I change? Shit, I don't have a good answer for that yet. I don't know. <laughs> there's no kind of wrong answers. It's all class. <laughs> I just don't know if, I don't know if there's been online dating has changed me. Mm-hmm. But it's beyond just missing real life stuff mm-hmm. more. <laughs> Gotcha. So maybe like check in back once real life starts again and then you can kind yes, of see. Then retrospectively, like, I can tell you once I sit down with someone, I'm like, oh, this is what a date was like. I can tell you how it changed. <laughs> That's what maybe I've actually like, been wondering. See, yeah. I don't know if you've thought about this, but how will online, like how will dating take place nowadays? If bars and restaurants are slowly starting to open, like what are people going to do? Yeah. Are you going to text someone and be like, let's meet on the street and grab a bottle of wine? Like, let's go to a park. Like, how is it going to happen now? Well, you guys have open container. We don't. So you guys could do that, but which is awesome. But maybe they'll open container New York, which would actually be a really cool idea. wonder why they don't do that. But I think it's just going to be like, yeah, let's go meet. Let's go. Let's go to this bar. It's like, I think a lot of bars maybe wouldn't get a lot of love because of the whole social distancing thing. Like, and how many mm-hmm. people you're allowed to admit might start getting more love, which is cool. Like less popular places because you just mm-hmm. wanted to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think we're all just going to be really stoked to just go do what we used to do. Oh my God. Definitely. Counting down the days for that. Tell me about your current podcast with Ilana. First of all, I love the backstory because I obviously stalked you guys. <laughs> I stalked um, and know that you guys previously dated. So how did you go about deciding to do this project? Because obviously it must have not been easy, right? No, I mean, nothing about anything creative is ever like easy. I mean, in this case, it was, it wasn't like there was emotion. Like Ilana and I were very easily transitioned into friends. And like that, mm-hmm. that was like a great thing because we both work in the same sort of business and we she does video as well for hinge and so we spoke a very similar language and we liked talking about our work stuff together and i know alana had been trying to get a podcast greenlit there for a while and i had been doing a podcast with my sister about dating in la she called me about the opportunity and i was like i would love to do this with you this sounds like a great way to explore a topic and you know we were, were able to highlight experts in their fields and and feel that information to our listeners and Mm-hmm. It was a no-brainer on my end, but of course there was an uphill battle in terms of what is this show about? What is it really trying to say? How is it different than other dating podcasts? How much of our personal lives do we bring into it? Mm-hmm. And that's still something we're trying to figure out. But we're both very creative, hardworking people. So it's always an enjoyable experience of how do we push this? How do we make it relatable? How do we also make it entertaining? I think the, the integration between podcasts and Instagram is one that I'm fascinated by where we did an Instagram live last night that was very successful in terms of like viewership count and Mm -hmm. engagement. Yeah. I don't know. It's just been a really great learning experience. And I get to learn about what does well on the internet, what performs poorly, what performs great. What do people, how do hate comments happen? Who are the (laughs) trolls? Well, you know, all this different stuff that uh, I I did not know one month ago. So very Mm -hmm. cool experience. And I feel very lucky that she thought of me for it. That's amazing. So do you think that exes or situationships can be friends nowadays? Like I know you guys managed it, but... I think a situationship, yes. I think absolutely. I mean, obviously someone who you date for like four years and then like, you know, break mm-hmm. up, maybe different story. 
But in our case, we only went on a couple of dates and we'd always had a foundation of friendship. Yeah, I think it can totally work. And maybe they'll get a podcast or a creative project out of it too. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> Never know what happens, right? Never or know you don't know if that person introduces you to the actual person that you're supposed to be with that. That's happen. exactly true too. That's so true. See, what my friends and my parents have taught me is that I'm just a hopeless romantic and I still believe in that crap, but you know, <laughs> who I knows? I love it. I, you gotta, I love that. <laughs> so this is my favorite question. I always ask everyone I have on the podcast because that's kind of the basis of the show. I'm pretty sure you've had at one point an experience where you feel like you're probably the only one or, you know, like maybe it was a thought or a fear or something. And what would you tell people that maybe have been feeling that? It could obviously be related to dating, single life, or not at all, and something entirely different. Up to you. I saw that question when you sent me the prep, and I was like, damn, that is the most genius question I've ever seen. <laughs> and really good work by you. Thank you. And yeah, and something that I've, and I, I honestly, something I felt that I sometimes felt like I'm the only one who's thought it, but I know other people are also possibly feeling it. It's, I don't know, one of the things I always think about that's, that might be in that is like, am, am I going to have an impact in the world in the way that I want to? And then why do I even want to have an impact in the world? Why do you have to have an impact? But it's like, okay, well, what is the purpose? What is your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, on earth type situation? But especially in my, in my field where it's like you want to make movies that are going to make people feel something, whether it's good or bad. So that's something I always kind of do debate. I'm like, I hope that this makes people happy. Mm-hmm. makes them laugh and like sticks with them. But then I realize you can control how other people feel about what you do. That might be, that's like where my head kind of goes immediately when I hear that question. Is that, does that make, is that yeah, like, yeah. A, I, I don't know. That's a really... Cause I love people to just like express, I've had different things. So I've had people say like, um, if you're traveling alone, you're not going to die. Someone's going to help you always. I've had someone tell me, yeah, that was a really fun one. I've had someone tell me like, you're not alone, mental health, whatever. So like every yeah. person just takes it the way they want to. Which is why it's one of my favorite questions. Yeah, no, it's re- it's a really good question, and that's it. All kind of does come back to like this idea of loneliness and being isolated mm-hmm. and being because even what I was saying is like, okay, is am I is my am I do something that's important enough or special enough that someone's going to feel something about it? Yeah, I don't know. Deep, deep question. Good question. Really good question. <laughs> okay, so are you ready for the lighthearted rapid fire questions? To love, end the show? love, li- love that. Love right, lighthearted. Ready? Yes. Okay. What person, dead or alive, would you like to have dinner with, and why? Such a good question. Nora Ephron, and I would love to talk to her because I love her movies. I would love to talk about her writing process and her filmmaking process, and bring her back. Love that for that for that dinner. Yeah. What's the most random or craziest pickup line you've ever used? I don't use pickup lines. There's a hot take. <laughs> okay, that also counts as an answer. Yeah. Would you rather never go on a bad first date again or only go on great first dates? Only go on great first dates. Okay. Dinner or drinks? Drinks. Stay in or go out? Go out. Sex on a first date, for or against? Whatever you two mutually feel and agree to is where my stance is. <laughs> but I, I think it's I think it's okay. I don't think there's anything that there should be no shaming of that happening. Okay, that's a good answer. Also very politi- politically correct of you. <laughs> How I feel. <laughs> classic movies or rom-coms? Rom-coms. But are the, can, they can also be classic movies that are rom-coms. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> Poor choice Good question, words. though. I see you're doing that. I see you're doing that. I always tailor them to the person I'm interviewing, so this is like the I most fun part. <laughs> Sushi or pizza? Pizza. Do you wake up early or sleep out if you have the chance? I uh, wake up early if oh I can. Oh, my God. Why does everybody answer that? I feel so bad. <laughs> if I can. That doesn't mean I do. Okay. Last one. Writing or directing? 
directing. I think writing writing is very difficult and, and much less rewarding in my in my opinion. Yeah, because you like it more, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, I just like making stuff because writing screenplays are meant to be directed. They're not meant to be just screenplays. They're an intermediate mm-hmm. form. So... To kind of write them thinking about how you're going to direct it. Exactly. I write my screenplays with like direction in there because I know ultimately I'm going to be the one to make it. So uh, hopefully, knock on wood, but that's, <laughs> I, I like to write them in a certain way that's like when I'm on set on the day, in the moment, what can I tell myself? Future Jonah, what you're mm-hmm. going to need to know to do that. Like li- leave little cues. Exactly. Gotcha. That's, that's very smart. I like that. Respect. So thank you so much, Jonah, for chatting me with chatting. Oh my God, I cannot speak. Thank you, Jonah, for chatting with me today. It's been a great time and I've learned a lot about online dating, virtual dating, and people in New York. Very different opinions, which I love. And I just want to let you guys know, as usual, you can find our links on the description and you can also find Jonah's links. By the way, you have to let me know what links you want me to put, like if you want whatever links. So you can find all of those links on the description and please let us know what you guys think. Give us some feedback or send us a message at Pretty Sure Podcast. We love hearing from you guys and I'll see you next week. Thanks again, Jonah. Sabrina, thank you for having me. This was a real joy and see you next time. Peace out, everyone.